Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Typically, when there's a conflict, everybody's running for their attorneys. While that can be the most expensive way to resolve conflict, today we have Amy Lieberman, author of Mediation Success. Get it out, get it over, and get back to business. Today she's going to discuss a much more effective way to deal with conflicts. So whether you're dealing with family conflicts that might involve divorce or other family issues, what about businesses and estate disputes? Today we'll discuss how arbitration can be a valuable tool in resolving disputes, but also when creating documents or agreements or contracts such as estate plans, buy-sell agreements, or other business transactions, you may want to consider arbitration as the tool of choice when there's disputes. So to share with us today how arbitration can be such a valuable tool is Amy Lieberman. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Hey, we're so glad to have you. I know this world is filled with conflict, and you're a conflict resolution specialist, I believe. With the work that you do in mediation, in the world of mediation, in attempting to resolve conflict, you say the answer is not found in the court, but rather through the process of mediation. I think a lot of times the answer is always run to court, but what is the process in personal conflict resolution? Resolving conflict through mediation makes much more sense. I mean, you can control the timing, you can schedule a date at the earliest convenience of the mediator and the parties, and you can usually get it resolved in a day instead of going through the entire court process, which takes years. And the process of mediation involves sitting down with a third party that is experienced and trained and qualified in resolving disputes and that person is going to help both parties reach an outcome that they can both live with. Amy, can you maybe clarify just the different areas that you suggest mediation can be effective? I'm sure it's many different topics or areas, so touch on some of those. Pretty much any area of conflict that you can think of is going to be appropriate for mediation. Half of the work that I do is mediation of litigated matters, which means parties are in court and they're suing each other over, let's say, claims of harassment and discrimination or wrongful termination, wage disputes and claims, partnership disputes, non-competes and breach of restrictive covenants, breach of contracts, real estate disputes, trusts and estates disputes, and then, of course, there's always mediation of family conflict and divorces as well. So any claim that can be made in court can be mediated. Then there's the other area, which is the area of interpersonal conflicts in the workplace or perhaps among family members. And those kinds of conflicts, there's nothing the court system can do for those. In those instances, you really do need a third party to help you uncover what's really going on in terms of the motivations and the emotions and the underlying interests that are propelling people to fight each other. And you know, I got to believe from personal experience, I think to all the situations where people are 
just mad as heck at another party, whether it's a business situation, family situation. One thing that just pains Tony and I, we work a lot with families and man, these things that tear families apart. And sometimes the conflict is so deep, they can't even remember what the conflict is. They just remember that they have this problem. But I do know from personal experience, it seems like when there's mediation, both parties seem to come to more of an understanding. And I don't see the deep-rooted resentment that you usually see once something gets dragged through the court system. So let's kind of focus on corporate mediation. How does that benefit companies both large and small? And how does corporate mediation differ from, say, that personal mediation? Well, in the corporate setting, you're always going to have business interests that are going to be driving the situation. So, for example, you're going to have costs which are going to be huge, right? They might be paying, if it's a huge company, they might be paying lawyers a ton of money to defend or to prosecute a claim and managing those legal costs and managing potential exposure is going to be huge. But you're also going to have issues of precedent. You're concerned that other people might find out about what happens. And in the court system, it's all public. When you mediate, it's confidential. So the process is confidential. Nobody else is there. There's no recorded notes of it. And you can even agree to have the outcome confidential. So it won't serve as a precedential value for other people and to find out and then line up to go sue you for the same thing. You can also prevent bad PR from happening as a result of that. If you've got business issues, let's say you want to resolve a case and you've got some money in your budget and you're coming up as now we're looking towards the end of the calendar year for many the end of their fiscal year, you may have some funds that you can put towards resolution. Maybe you're not sure if you're going to have those funds next year. So you can control the timing of it. There's a lot of benefits to it from a corporate perspective. So then you're asking, how is this different from mediating an interpersonal dispute? In that setting, you'll be likely less concerned with the financial cost of it and more concerned with the personal destruction that's occurring from the conflict. And really, the most fundamental need that we all have when it comes to conflict is the need to be heard. Rarely does that happen anymore in this world of everybody multitasking and being tied to their computers and their iPhones and everything else that we're doing in life. And we're too busy arguing or waiting to talk instead of truly listening to what somebody's saying. So the mediation setting really does allow people to talk, to be heard, to have their concerns and feelings explored and validated. And really, when we're in a conflict situation, we just we really want to be understood. We want to make sure that the other person understands where we're coming from. Ultimately, we want them to agree with us, but that might not be possible. And that's where the assistance of a third party comes in to help maybe shift expectations, shift the framework, shift your factors that you're thinking about and considering to see, again, if both parties can reach an agreement that they can live with. I call it the can live with, can live with approach. That's excellent. Now, I'm curious if, as you stated, with the poor communication that seems to be existing today, is it typical that people come to a mediator through a court order, or is it something that was constructed maybe in legal agreements, if it was a partnership or something like that? Or at some point, of course, the parties, if they disagree and they only think the courts are the default, how do they discover plus then agree to use your services, it almost makes me think there might be a mediator to get them to agree to use a mediator. So, <laughs> Well, you know what? You raise a good point, which is why for all of your listeners out there, my best piece of strategic advice I can give anyone is to, whenever you're entering into an agreement, make sure you have a mediation clause in there. Just put right in there if the parties enter into any dispute with respect to this agreement or dissolution of this agreement, the parties agree to take this to a mediator and split the costs. In the employment setting, employers usually will pay the cost for a mediator. 
in a business setting of the parties usually split the cost, which again is only going to be a few thousand dollars as compared to the hundreds of thousands of dollars it's going to take to litigate. But if you have it existing in your policy, if you're a company, then you don't have to stress yourself over, gosh, you know, how does this work and how can we get them to agree? You can just make it a matter of policy. If you're in a partnership or a contract, you just put it in the contract. And you can simply provide that the parties will agree on a mediator or the mediator can be appointed from a qualified mediation service. Usually what happens in the world of mediation has only been recognized, by the way, for example, in, as a field of law, as a specialty of law called alternative dispute resolution since 2005. So that's fairly new. But there's a lot of sources that you can look to to find a qualified mediator. You can go to mediate.com and search. You can go to the American Arbitration Association. You can just plug in workplace mediation or employment mediation or business dispute mediation, commercial mediation, Arizona or Wisconsin or New York. You can look for people that are on rosters of mediators that do that kind of work and pull up their resumes online. You can Google them. And I get contacted all the time by people that have just done an internet search and they have narrowed it down to a few select people that they want to talk to and interview and decide whether that particular mediator might be good for their conflict. Well, and quite honestly, I mean, you're touching on this, but I would guess the typical background for a mediator is coming from the law side, I've heard, or I guess part of the same question is, is that is mediation in effect the same as arbitration? Because sometimes arbitration, at least in our industry, many times it's a retired judge or attorney who is that person providing the service. Is that pretty typical? Excellent question, because people that aren't familiar with this sometimes get confused and they might not understand the distinction between mediation and arbitration. Arbitration is when somebody acts essentially as a private judge. So you go into a conference room, but you bring witnesses, you bring exhibits, people are put under oath, they're sworn to tell the truth, and then the arbitrator makes a written decision that's binding on the parties, which means somebody's going to like it and someone's not. Or they might sometimes accuse the arbitrator of splitting the baby, sort of a Solomon approach. A mediation is different because the mediator doesn't make a decision. There's no witnesses. There might be some documents that you give to the mediator to review and that you talk about, but it's not under oath. And the mediator works with the parties either in joint session or shuttling back and forth with a shuttle diplomacy in separate session until the parties reach an agreement that they both can live with. And what I often tell people is that the court process is win-lose, right? So is arbitration. One side's going to win, one side's going to lose. People that are familiar with mediation sometimes call it win-win. And I've heard lawyers call it lose-lose. Again, though, my approach, the mediation success, get it out, get it over, get back to business approach that I explain in the book is you're going for that can live with, can live with approach. That's realistic. That's reachable. And that's why I think that's the best goal for the mediation process. I appreciate that clarification because your suggestion to position this language within legal contracts, I wanted to clarify that the difference between the two because I think at least we're typically seeing in our industry the term arbitration, which is, like you said, it's kind of almost like a private court process, but someone's a final decision maker. What you're talking about is truly resolving the dispute with the parties, so you're kind of wearing a couple of hats there as attorney, counselor, psychologist, all kinds of things. So I'd love to see your resume. (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, you can pull up my resume online, and you will see, in fact, a degree in psychology. I've been practicing law for many years, although my practice for the past 11 years has been exclusive as a mediator. I also do serve as an arbitrator, by the way. So to your question about whether you need a legal background, because there are some ex-judges that do this, the answer is, if you're mediating a legal dispute, yes, you need to have a legal background. 
otherwise you're not going to be able to be evaluative when the parties ask you what you think. You're not going to give them legal advice and tell them what to do, but you might be able to give them some thoughts that you have about their position or what they might be looking forward to on a going forward basis if they don't resolve. So you may be called upon to analyze something about their legal positions. But if you're mediating in a personal conflict that doesn't have any legal layers to it at all, then no, you don't necessarily need to have a legal background. And there's a lot of human resource personnel that do mediation or use mediation skills to do conflict management in their organization when they're working with employees. By doing mediation, you always leave the option to arbitrate or to go to court and duke it out in court. So I would think mediation would always be the first step. And as you were talking about putting mediation in documents, do you see people in their estate planning documents? I mean, we talked about a little bit the family conflicts we run into. Do you ever see families saying, hey, if there's a problem, rather than have them run to court right away, require a mediation between different family members with the hope of resolving it without costing the whole family a family fortune? That's the best way to do it. That's the best practice is when you have the opportunity when there is no conflict to go ahead and put the mediation provision in an agreement. The courts these days, pretty much everywhere, are mandating the use of ADR, which is mediation. It used to be companies, they just had arbitration agreements. Now it's mediation as a first step. And you're right, and you should always start with mediation. And the sooner that you agree to do that, the easier it is. I was contacted by a company from Texas last week, and it's a board of directors, and they're having a conflict. And Several of the board members have determined that they want to bring in a mediator to help resolve it. The problem is it's not written into their policy. They're wondering how to broach it to the other people in the group so that the concept of mediation will be accepted and then the selection of the mediator will be agreed to as well. So those are things to think about if you've thought about it on the front end and put it into place, then you don't have to overcome that hurdle. No doubt. Clearly the time to do this is when you agree that if you in the future disagree that you've already kind of built this into the process because trying to get people to the table later is probably a little bit more challenging. We're going to take a short break and when we come back we obviously have lots more to talk about here so please stay tuned. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, P.O. Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Don't forget to visit the Resources for You section on your Real Wealth Professionals website. You'll find links to many educational tools and resources. You'll also find a must-read section including many great authors who have been guests on past programs. Feel free to order any books that interest you or someone you know. Welcome back. We are continuing our conversation today with Amy Lieberman, attorney and executive director of Insight Mediation Group, also author of the book Mediation Success, Get It Out, 
get it over and get back to business. You know, we should touch on that real quick since I mentioned the book. Does your book provide initial step-by-step process or does it just kind of sell the benefit? What will the person get from your book in reading it? If you read the book, what you're going to understand is that there's three aspects that are important to mediation. One is the process, and it does take you by step by step what to do as a person who's going to be resolving conflict as a mediator. So yes, gives you the how-tos, talks about the psychology that gets involved in resolving conflict. So it addresses the emotions and teaches you how to deal with strong emotion. And it talks about how do you get to the underlying interest. Because when people take positions, positions are the what. It's what they want. It's their demand. But what's really going on is the why. Why do they want that? What are the underlying interests? So that goes to the psychology of conflict as well. So the book tells you how to set the stage for a successful mediation and successful conflict resolution. It tells you what to look for in terms of emotions and underlying interests and how to address them. And last but not least, it talks about, okay, what are options for solutions for the problems? It talks about monetary resolutions and the symbolism of money and the drama of dollars. It talks about respect and trust and fairness and communication. And if these are the underlying issues, it offers suggestions about what it is you can do to restore what's missing. That's awesome. Now, it's not a how-to guide because ultimately people still probably need that third party to kind of bring things together, correct? Yes. It's a how-to guide for the manager, for the supervisor, for the human resource director, for the mediator. It's a how-to guide for the person who is resolving conflict. Excellent. Does it also have some guide as far as how to reach out and who to reach out to? There must be some resources. Again, to do you just Google mediation services? Where do you start? It does. Actually, it references several resources and options and places that you can go. And where you start, again, I think depends on whether it's a legal matter or not. If it's a legal matter, it's a business dispute, you're going to have a lawyer. You're going to look to your lawyer who's going to tell you who he or she has used in the past. Usually, although there's lists and rosters, what ends up happening is the lawyer says, well, you know, I've used Amy Lieberman. Do you want to use her? You know, okay. Or they might say, let me give you three names. You give me three names. Because mediation is prevalent enough now in the legal community that lawyers will know mediators. If you're not in a legal arena, you can ask your lawyer for suggestions. But, you know, in this instance, I think you can just go on to mediate.com, which is, I think, the best resource, and Google search for mediators with the subject area expertise in your area. Now, is it most effective to, with technology today, of course, and things like Skype, can you do this remotely, or is it most effective for the parties to be together? Well, yes, you can do it remotely. You can do it by telephone, and I'm telling you that the odds of success, in my experience, somewhere between 90 and 95% of the time, we get resolution through this process. So that's not a guarantee, but those are pretty good odds, right? So you're going to decrease those odds, though, if somebody's just there on the phone as opposed to in person or by Skype. And the reason is, again, you want to ensure that everybody's fully heard and fully committed to the process. The truth of the matter is that, you know, when we're on the phone, we're often looking at our computer at the same time, multitasking, doing other things. We get tired of being on the phone or on the computer. The reception can be a little fuzzy. The movement, the forward movement that you get from true interpersonal connection, true understanding and the expression of understanding and the acknowledgement that people are looking for when they're trying to resolve conflict is far less likely to happen if it's online or via Skype or on the phone than it is if you're in person. 
Now, earlier you mentioned that this is something that was recently recognized from a legal standpoint. I think you said 2005. One thing I keep thinking about is with Tony and I, we've dealt with so many different client situations, family, business, and conflicts, and how that's all turned out. And one thing that keeps haunting me or I keep thinking about is one of the first things is people run to an attorney and they start drawing their lines in the sand. What advice would you have? Because sometimes it seems like the litigators just want to get to court and put the gloves on and they kind of stir the pot of emotions and then the other side is doing the same thing. It almost seems like they're stirring up conflict. How do you get someone to get to mediation first versus getting the advice that, oh yeah, we're going to take them to the cleaners? How do you solve that balance? Well, when you're getting legal advice, when you're selecting your lawyers, ask your lawyer, how do you feel about mediation? When do you like to use mediation? And some lawyers will say, well, I prefer not to do it until we're way into litigation and the discovery's done and we know everything about our case. And other lawyers might say, I believe in getting into mediation as soon as possible, sometimes even before we file a complaint. Just write a demand letter to the other side and try to get this resolved as early as possible. As the client, you can tell your lawyer, okay, I'm here to you for legal advice, but I want you to get this into mediation as soon as possible. You can take control in that sense. So that's advice. I mean, we talked about managers and corporate heads in the corporate setting, but that's good advice for anybody in any circumstance, whether you're an employee and you have a conflict with your manager or employer, whether you're in a business setting, whether you have a family dispute. I would look at it. Mediation is always the best option to start because you can always go to putting the gloves on and fighting it out in court, right? Absolutely. I mean, if it doesn't resolve at mediation, you can continue with the court process. You can always continue to try to settle it later or even have a second mediation session down the road. So absolutely, start there first. Amy, let's talk a little bit about probably, I guess from my perspective, and certainly advising clients over the years, business disputes too many times are just focused on maybe the money. But with family disputes, especially divorce with it being such a high ratio in our society today. In this case, you're involving children, you're involving money, you're involving emotions and commitment between each other. How successful can mediation be as compared to the divorce courts? I'm confident of what the answer is going to be because I just see too many times couples are torn apart through the legal process. And of course, it's public and nasty and dirty. And I think this would be just such a better approach to resolving dispute, at least in a divorce circumstance? Oh, absolutely. Because first of all, you can be heard. Oftentimes by the time a relationship has hit the point of divorce, there's frustration, there's anger, there's resentment, there's jealousy, there's feelings of betrayal, there's concerns about financial security. All of these things need to be addressed. They can be addressed in a respectful way, in a safe place, in a situation with a mediator that takes the adversarialness down to a level that's manageable as opposed to just going to court and duking it out. And you're always concerned with the best interests of the children and the impact of the spouse's actions on the children. And so mediation is the confidential, respectful, most successful way to go. To tie this kind of into your clients and the people that are listening to this, where mediation really works well is with family business disputes. I speak to CEO groups around the country, and oftentimes business owners or partners are related to each other. And then there's issues of transition, there's issues of respect, the personal and the professional overlap more so than in other contexts. And you really do need to have the assistance of somebody that can help address and balance both the business aspects and the personal aspects of the conflict. 
Now, we believe as planners that it's important that a client be served from a team approach. As a financial advisor, typically we rely on tax professionals or legal professionals, realtors, whatever the circumstance requires. Sometimes we view ourselves as kind of a quarterback bringing those professionals in when the time is right. All the facets you just covered, especially in a divorce or family business dispute, obviously at some point it's appropriate to bring other professionals to the table to kind of provide input, even if it's tax analysis or the financial advisor coming to the table and providing a perspective that potentially the mediator doesn't understand. Is this a team approach? It can be, yes. I mean, if you need expert advice with respect to analysis of financial information, absolutely. In fact, Oftentimes, a mediation might occur, and at the end of the day, you realize, you know, we really can't quite wrap this up because we don't have all of the information we need. What we've learned is we need the expert's evaluation of the business, or we need a financial advisor to give some input as to really what are the assets that are owned, or let's take a look at the accounts receivables and the liabilities and have somebody's input about the P&L and help guide both the parties and the mediator in fashioning an outcome, again, that is one that both parties can live with. Quite honestly, and if that's done in a private, confidential environment, I can't think of a better way to do it. Share your contact information, and again, let's just repeat, your book came out this year, correct? Yes, in May. And that's Mediation Success, Get It Out, Get It Over, and Get Back to Business. Where's the best place to get it? Amazon.com. Do you also have a website or email address that you want to provide? I do, amy at mediationsuccess.com, or you can go to mediationsuccess.com. Excellent. Hey, this has been fantastic. I'm guessing, because Jim and I magically agree on this, that we'd love to have you back in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be back. Happy to be back. Someday we should write a book because we've been business partners for 25 years and somehow we've made it work. So, and it's uh, working, so exactly. you have secrets. That's rare. It's true. Yes. It's secrets. But, hey, this has been fantastic. I think a lot of people learn something today because ultimately the best place to resolve things is privately and quietly among the parties who disagree. And sometimes it's easier to have a third party get involved and bring that resolution than kind of walking away saying, huh, I won I lost, and most of the time people part with a lot of their money in legal fees. I guess I should ask the question, how are you compensated? Is it hourly, project fee? How does that work? Typically hourly. That's excellent. So it's something that a person can at least understand going in versus kind of an open-ended, who knows how long this is going to take kind of thing. Right, right, right. Fantastic conversation today. Look forward to having you back in the future. Thank you so much. I look forward to it as well. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network.
this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.